Hello, and welcome to this episode of Alderney, the Devil's Rock, a podcast in which we explore the folklore of the tiny, spectred Isle of Alderney in the English Channel, told through the medium of ghost stories and essays on weird history and a bit of our own experiential research. The tales are taken from the hyperbolic investigations of Dr Lazarus Ravenscroft and myself, Ulysses Black, two natives of Alderney and two lifelong cryptotheologists, as we've come to call ourselves. Two words of warning before we start. First, some listeners might find the tales herein uncomfortably horrifying and others laughably tame. And second, though not loaded with adult content, there is the occasional expletive, particularly from our more raucous sources, and the even more occasional reference to sexual matters. Information on the book and other episodes can be found at either www.ulyssesblack.com or our Patreon for this project at patreon.com forward slash ulyssesblack, all one word. Okay. That's enough of that. Let's dive into this week's encounter with The Devil's Rock. The Legend of Le Grand Sorciere We are all familiar with the reassuring sight of the massive Fort Albert set atop the mighty hill in the north of the island, overlooking Bray Harbour, the once prized shelter of the Admiralty. For those of you not familiar with it, I will include some photographs of this gargantuan fortress. And it is, of course, common knowledge that the Bastion of Blue Granite is named in honour of Queen Victoria's genitally jewelled husband, His Majesty the Prince Albert. What is a little less commonly known is that the hilltop upon which previously stood the smaller Fort Torre has carried the name Mont Torre d'Albert for as long as we seem to have records of the place. Fascinated by this seemingly innocuous piece of island history, we pondered the coincidence. Surely there must be some mistake, we thought. But no, it does seem that the name Albert was already connected with the hill or mountain as our ancestors seem to have considered the promontory. Who was this Albert that he has a hill named after him? Or, more specifically, as the French name translates, The Mountain of Albert's Kiln. What is Albert's Kiln? Pursuing these trivial leads, and from the barest of details, we begin to unravel a delightful little story, which, while far-fetched and very likely untrue, carries with it a certain ring of history and authentication. We traced the oral tale back to its document in the early 1800s, and it seems that, as is the case with so much of the island's history, with the building of the massive fortress complexes by the Admiralty and the subsequent German occupying forces, 
the landmarks to which much-loved stories were once bound have been erased, scouring even their memories from the island's heritage. And yet it seems that there is no smoke without a little fire in Albert's mystery kiln. The story begins near summer, with the arrival on the island of a bearded individual named Albert. Having crossed the treacherous stretch of water from the French Cape, reaching the island and finding it scarcely populated, he proceeded to the northernmost hill and, climbing it to the summit, sat down. According to the tale, this sorcier, sorcerer or magician, then employed all manner of diabolical injunctions, commanding a, a mighty host of monsters and spirits to arise from their abodes on the island, that they may help him in his endeavour. Over a period of seven days he called upon different invisible agencies in a bid to gain mastery over the forces that govern the natural world. Following each day, a response to his invocations came during the night in the form of uncanny sounds rolling down the hillside and echoing out over Bray. The booming voice of a man seemed the booming voice of a man seemed pitched against a, a raging torrent of spectral howls and gnashing, coughing roars. Strange lights were seen jumping from bush to tree and back to bush again. On the seventh day, Midsummer's Day, he spoke a single cryptic word given as, uh, you have to bear with me as I try and pronounce this word, Lenomen Didiu. I can't actually find any reference to this word at all, although its suffix dear is French for God. That's about as far as I've got. The utterance for which was greeted by the eruption of a single lightning bolt, which, smiting him, threw him to the ground, baking solid the earth where he fell. Silence followed. The tale then relates how none of the islanders would venture onto the hillside for fear of becoming prey to the wrath they had witnessed. On the eighth day, as if nothing untoward had happened, the same man strolled cheerily back down the hillside, clutching in his hands a book. Staying on the island one further night, he is said to have duplicated his book, leaving a second copy at the building we now call the nunnery, apparently for the protection of the island. With his work in this small corner of the world now complete, Albert then departed Alderney and, depending on which version one hears, he returned to France or to Jersey. Island life resumed its normal pace, with the name of the enigmatic Albert becoming attached to the hilltop overlooking the modern harbour and the area of baked ground, thenceforth becoming known as Albert's Kiln or Terre d'Albert. So, who was this wandering Albert? The only candidate from history that can possibly be tied to this story leads us back to the 12th century, and the figure of St. Albertus Magnus, as he is now known. A man who widely travelled Europe, he received all manner of wondrous education in the likes of Padua, Cologne, Bologna and Paris. During his travels he both taught and sought out new wisdom on the mechanics of the world. Later in his life he would become teacher to one of Western philosophy's greats, Thomas Aquinas no less. 
Curiously, in her work on Alderney folklore, Madame Pico mentions only two magical grimoires by name to have been found in the possession of the island witches and cunning men. I quote directly from her. It is the use of this bastard science of medicine germinating from the works of Albertus Magnus in the 13th century, transmitted through France, the Orinés, the um, people of Alderney, believed that the sorcier per se can work magic with the aid of Le Grand Albert and Le Petit Albert, the latter by far the worse, which contains indisputable rules for command over the secrets of nature. These books are only to be spoken of discreetly and with bated breath, for so many of the islanders have actually suffered from the effects of witchcraft that one said but lately, They ought to be put to the fire as uses them books. The Orinés seem to have gone back to the primitive idea that the sorcerer can rule nature by himself if only he knows the laws that govern her magically. Thank you very much. Madam Pico, you are a wonderful source of fantastic information. In our attempt to authenticate the story, certain problems arise, and these are perhaps indicative of the entire complexities that surround this branch of cryptotheology. On many occasions, we have been forced to assess some of the more preposterous yarns, only to find that the truth is on one level mundane and, on another, far more bizarre. While records do indicate that Albertus Magnus, born 1193, died 1280, did travel from France to the Channel Islands during his tour sometime in the 1230s, we cannot find any material that indicates he visited Alderney. Nor, for that matter, is there any real indication that he was the actual author of the two magical grimoires that bear his name, with Le Petit Albert, the most openly black magic of the two tracts, being first put into print in 1668. Given that books, as we understand them today, did not properly exist during the time of Albertus Magnus, being instead lavishly and painstakingly bound manuscripts, it seems unlikely that anyone of his era would have copied anything resembling a whole book over the course of a single night without some irascible and demonic aid at the very least. We can be certain that both of the Albert's grimoires have been found in the possession of witches in the Channel Islands, who it seems were identified as being witches by virtue of their owning copies of these books. Furthermore, the story of Albert in Alderney carries echoes of Moses descending Mount Sinai with the commandments his words of divine law. This suggestion has been exacerbated by the mention of lights jumping from bush to tree to bush, in some minor way recalling the burning bush of biblical law. However, in response to such an accusation, the tale of Le Grand Sorcier seems to invert the account of Moses in a most blasphemous manner. Rather than enjoying a submissive role to the storm god Jehovah, as did Moses, Albert intended to gain power over the elements and nature, and he conspired with monsters and spirits 
and he was finally smited by lightning for doing so. There is even the implication that on the seventh day, the day which, according to Genesis, God rested, the hero Albert is smote and silence descends, i.e. nothing happens. He rests. One mythographer with whom we've discussed the tale speculates that the lightning is a symbolic convention used to represent the divine gnosis, and he cites the traditions of the Kabbalah, which is uh, the branch of Jewish mysticism, where the lightning bolt descends, illuminating the world and the individuals who traverse its magical realms. This, he attests, is perhaps the single most significant and congruous aspect of the tale, in support at least of the authenticity of the story, if not its historic reality. And even as I'm saying this now, I can't help but think also of the tale of King Solomon and his building of the temple with the aid of the demons of the Goetia. Unfortunately, we're not able to sufficiently resolve every tale we hear, particularly given the increasing rate at which evidence is destroyed, gradually eroding the colourful history of the island. Only one detail persists from this story, of which we can be sure. At some point in the past, a man named Albert left his mark baked into a hilltop upon the Devil's Rock. That was a reading from Alderney, The Devil's Rock, by myself and my esteemed colleague, Dr Lazarus Ravenscroft. If you like what you heard and you want to support this a bit further, then please head over to Patreon, where you can sign up to my Patreon account. Uh, that is www.patreon.com slash Ulysses Black, all one word, where you'll find a specific tier entitled Denizens of the Devil's Rock. And it would be great to hear your comments and feedback. Either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks ever so much for listening. <laughs>